Good afternoon. Welcome in to Power Mizzou Live, our second live show of the week. This is the one where we try to entertain you for 30, 45 minutes until Patrick Mahomes plays football again. So uh, we're going to try to do that. Gabe DeArmond here, Gerard Hamilton now on the screen opposite me. In about 15 minutes, we're going to bring in Austin Lewis from GoMiddle.com to Talk about the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders, Missouri's opponent at 6 p.m. on Saturday. It is on SEC Network Plus. I cannot explain to you how to use technology to watch SEC Network Plus. I cannot explain to you if you have Spectrum or Charter or any of those cable systems how to get it on TV. That's why we have Gerard here. Gerard, how do people watch the game? Uh, your <laughs> guess is as good as, good as mine. So, all right, do want to invite you guys uh, in comments, questions, whatever you got, throw them up. We'll, we'll get to them over uh, over the next 30, 45 minutes. Again, uh, Monday night is kind of our review the week before on the State of the Tigers show. This Thursday afternoon, every week, we're going to talk to somebody who covers the opposing team now that we are past the University of South Dakota um, because I did not go to the efforts of finding anybody that covered the the Coyotes before that game. So, um, all right, man, uh, Missouri has a starting quarterback. Everybody seems happy with it. I think everybody's on board. No argument. We will have no disagreement the rest of the season. Did I, did I get that about right? Far from it, game. <laughs> Far <laughs> from it. I mean, people – I mean, they're on, you know, either side of the fence. And I and I think I heard you say this on Mizzou that too. It's just kind of, you know, people who do not like Brady Cook and didn't want maybe to be the starter. And in a, in a way, it feels like they're they're not mad that he's a starter, but they're mad their guy, which is Sam Horn, didn't get to to be the starter. And so it kind of comes off on Cook. But if you guys seen the article I posted today, over his last what seven games, Brady Cook has got 1,400 passing yards, like 450, 460 rushing yards, and 14 total touchdowns and no turnovers. I mean, he's a game manager. He's not going to win you the game outright, but he probably won't lose you the game either. And, I mean, for the most part, not every team can have a superstar, can't have Caleb Williams. So if you got something like this, I mean, it's not what you love, but it, it will, you know, it will do. Yeah, I, I mean – Look, nobody is saying that Brady Cook has played like an all-SEC quarterback, but he has played like about a league-average SEC quarterback in the last seven games. And so if he can take another step from that, then you've got something. And even if he just stays there, if your defense is good, if the guys around him are a little bit better, if you can run the football a little bit better, you know, they're they're in good shape. So the interesting part to me is that Drink said on Tuesday afternoon, that Brady's the starter, but Sam's going to play. And he was asked if that was like score dependent, if it looked like the first game. And he basically said, no, we're going to try to get him in the game. But but here's what I don't know about, Gerard. Like, okay, if you're up 14 nothing and Brady's playing well, there's no reason to pull him and maybe disrupt the, disrupt the, uh, the rhythm. But flip side of that is if you're only up 7-3 and you're not playing well, does he trust Sam Horn enough to put him? I, I don't have any idea how he's going to use it, is what I'm trying to say. My question to that would be, why would he do that? Like, if he's not good enough to be the starter, why do you think he can all of a sudden just explode when you're up 7-3? I, 
Right, but he's already said he's going to play. He's going to play him at some point. Oh. He has him ready. So my my question is, what's the situation? I, I just don't know what to expect, how he uses it. Um, I mean, in my head, it just automatically becomes like maybe first possession after half or maybe the last possession before half, depending on where the field position is, what, what the situation is looking like. Obviously, that's what we're talking about. But I can't think of like, yeah, middle of the second quarter, you know, or I don't know. It's just hard to just throw him out there randomly. I feel like I don't normally see that or have seen that with my own eyes. A, a coach just throw a quarterback in there and then take him out. Like I know you said uh, Pinkle did that with Chase Daniel a few times, but obviously I didn't, I didn't watch that. So it's new to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I was going to use the next 10 minutes or so to uh, harass Gerard and have him uh, explain his prediction that he made on our middle oh, please Tennessee do. side. But I'm we'll, cool no, with that. We'll, we'll get to that afterwards because I see our guest is is here backstage. So we're going to go ahead and bring Austin Lewis from GoMiddle.com in. And we're, uh, we're going at this point, um, you know, uh, on the fly. So hopefully technology works and Austin can hear us and we can hear him. How you doing, Austin? Doing well, guys. How y'all doing today? Not too bad. Uh, appreciate you taking a minute. So we'll just kind of go back and forth and, and, and fire questions at you. First things first, um, Middle Tennessee didn't really just ease into the season last week. They did, they just went ahead and said, all right, we want Bama. And uh, it went the way a lot of teams go when they get Bama. Uh, that's the way things are going to go when you play Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban's always going to have his team ready to play. Um, with the exception maybe that first year against ULM. Uh, and that is one of those losses that Saban has said is one of his worst losses in an entire career. And I'm pretty sure ever since that loss 15 years ago, he's told his teams about that loss as a motivating factor that it can happen to a school like Alabama. And every year that a, a G5 loses or, excuse me, beats a Power 5 team, that's something Saban's going to bring up to his players. Um, even maybe even last year, like uh, when Middle Tennessee beat uh, Miami, when Miami was a top 25 program, he's going to use that and say it's it's possible they could beat us uh, this year. Uh, he's he's a master motivator, but really when you lose to Bama by 56, 56-7, I think it was, that's not a shock, um, especially for Middle Tennessee fans. I, I think most of them were kind of expecting something along that line. Austin, uh, doing doing the preview on the, on this side, I've I've looked through it and I've seen that uh, the offensive line last year for MTSU wasn't you know the greatest. I mean, just going off their PFF uh, uh, yep. number, I think the highest rated offensive lineman it was like sixty or something like that. And so I figured that means that uh, the QB is trying to get the, rid of the ball quickly and things like that. I mean, can you kind of explain you know what the offense is going to look like? We know it's kind of air raid and they want to go vertical, but w- what do they tend to do? Uh, besides that? Yeah, the MTSU offensive line has been an issue for several years. Um, They've rearranged the coaching staff a a time or two trying to address it, but it's been an uh, an issue. And so for most of the time when I I watch Middle Tennessee football, they seem to be, yeah, there's an element of the vertical passing game that comes with any spread offense. But I would expect Middle Tennessee to kind of spread them out and then look for ways to incorporate quick game, screens, uh, look for stick combos, uh, just anything to get the ball out of uh, Nick's hands as fast as possible to uh, negate that SEC pass rush uh, that they're uh, expecting from Missouri. 
do want to invite those of you that are watching live with us here. If you've got specific questions about Middle Tennessee for Austin, throw them in the in the chat, and we'll try to to get to some of those. Um, Austin, I guess uh, I don't think a game in I don't even remember if it was two thousand three, two thousand four has much impact when Middle Tennessee came here and frankly should have beaten Missouri. It went to overtime. Yeah. Um, but they came in in, in 2016 and did beat Missouri. Uh, Rick Stock still is still there. It, obviously, that game doesn't have any impact on this game. But does he bring it up to his guys from the standpoint of there's no reason to be scared, guys? We this school has done this before. You don't go into to this place intimidated just because it's in the SEC. I, I think absolutely he's going to bring it up, especially coming off of last year's win against Miami. He's going to say it can happen. It happened last year because last year there's a lot of guys on the team this year that remember beating Miami last year. Uh, no one on the team uh, in terms of players remembers the the win. I think it was in 2016. Um, they're not going to remember that. That That's old news. That was a different team with a largely different coaching staff. Um, and so from a team perspective, the team's not going to be – affected by 2016 Miami uh, he's going to use it as an example but it, he's going to use Miami as an example he's going to say it, it can happen here um, it can happen again but I fully expect just not to spoil the surprise I fully expect Missouri to take care of business um, this weekend um, especially in my opinion I think it's going to affect Missouri more than it's going to affect Middle Tennessee because Missouri is going to be talking it happened to us to this very team that happened to us seven years ago. And they're probably talking about it in the Missouri athletic department. Uh, probably some administrators go into the football staff saying, don't let it happen again. Um, I think it would be more prevalent if anybody was still here. Like I'm not sure there's a single human being that was at Missouri seven years <laughs> yeah. ago to be quite a, there's been a little, little turnover here, but Gerard, yeah. go ahead. Man. Um, how, how legit is this defense? I was reading 62 takeaways over the last couple seasons. Uh, cornerback Teldrick Ross, he had 20 pass deflections that led the country last year. How legit is, is this de uh, this defense? The defense is good. Schaefer, uh, the defensive coordinator, has been around the block a time or two. I think he worked with Harbaugh uh, at Stanford. I think he was head coach at Syracuse for a couple of years. Um, he's He's been around. Uh, he knows his stuff. He's going to be bring some fire. They're going to bring some blitzes. Um, they're going to pressure the quarterback. Um and I think it's going to be up to the Missouri offensive line to see if they can protect the quarterback, uh, open up some run game uh, for them to kind of keep Missouri a little two-dimensional, keep them off their heels. Uh, they are good defense. There's a lot of speed, uh, probably a little undersized compared to the SEC, but there's going to be some speed at some positions, especially in the secondary, that's going to open the doors from some turnovers uh, that I think could, could make a difference in the game if it gets close. I think the line opened at 17. I think it's up to about 20 right now. So obviously it, most people kind of on your side that this, this shouldn't be a lot of drama, shouldn't be a fourth quarter game. But but what's the recipe if it is going to happen? I mean, if Middle Tennessee's got a chance in this with six minutes left, why? Any time a G5 like Middle Tennessee plays a power five, the G5 all has to have a perfect game offensively, no turnovers and they need to get the ball on a short field a time or two. Uh, whether that's a block punt, uh, interception, fumble, uh, whether that's they backed him up and then turned around and forced a three and out to get the ball at the 40, you need to do things like that to keep the game close. If at any time Middle Tennessee turns the ball over, 
once or twice, it's going to get dangerous and it's going to get out of hand pretty quickly. Uh, so for Middle Tennessee to keep this score close with six minutes left to have a chance at the game uh, at the win, they're going to have to uh, protect the ball. Uh, it sounds cliche, but the Middle Tennessee and other schools like Middle Tennessee, they don't have the horses uh, to turn the ball over and uh, expect to win the game. They have to play a flawless game in, in games like this. And that's really how they beat Miami. That's how they beat Missouri seven years ago. They played a near flawless game um, in Columbia back in 2016. Nick, is it Vatiato? We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Oh, <laughs> um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the quarterback. Do you know how to pronounce it? How's it, how's it pronounced? Your guess is good as me. Hooked on phonics, honestly. <laughs> Hooked on phonics didn't work for me. I'm known for mispronouncing things. Well, well, that's uh, MCSU's quarterback. Yeah. Um, I seen that he played a couple games last year behind Chase Cunningham, and, and the year before that, I think he played six games. Was the uh, Bahamas Bahamas Bowl MVP in 21? I mean, what what can you tell tell us about about him? Drink mentioned something about you know he he seems competent in, in, as far as what he can do in the offense. He has a quick uh, release and stuff like that. But what else do we know about him? He, he's a good player. Um, he, he's a kind of player you would expect to see at a school like Middle Tennessee. A little small from a 6'1". I think he's like 6'1", 190. Um, but he does have some mobility. Uh, he's not going to be confused with somebody uh, like Brad Banks to bring up uh, early Mizzou football. I guess that would be 2003, 2004 when Brad was a quarterback there at Mizzou. Um, he's not going to be a, that kind of player. Uh, Dwight Dasher, Middle Tennessee fans will remember. He's not that kind of quarterback. Um, he's gonna he has some mobility, but he's gonna be quick release, quick game, uh, smart, uh, heady, uh, just a good football player, just a little undersized, which is why he's out of school, like Middle Tennessee, as opposed to, um, you know, a, a power five school like Missouri. Um, okay, so this is the time of year where, like, from our perspective, we've gone, yeah, the season started, but I mean, it's. It's South Dakota, and then it's Middle Tennessee, which they could lose, but they should be 2-0. Middle Tennessee's like, covering that program's got to be the complete opposite, right? Okay, it started, but I mean, week one's Bama, and week two's at Missouri. In all likelihood, you're looking at 0-2, but then that's it for the Power 5 schools. The rest, So, so like, long-term, what's Middle Tennessee's kind of expectation? What kind of team is this this year once they get past these two games on the road against SEC schools? You know, the difficult thing about a school like Middle Tennessee is usually you're playing two money games a year. And, and those money games are so difficult to gauge your team. It's, it's hard to compare how good you are when you're going up against me. It's how, hard to compare how good you are when you're playing Georgia. Because, quite frankly, a lot of teams in the country are going to lose 56-7 to to Georgia or Alabama. And, and so you're looking for positive signs that this could be special. Uh, maybe you don't lose 38-10 to to Missouri. Maybe the game's closer, like 38-21. And while you still lose by 17 uh, points, you show promise. And so what you're looking for in this out-of-conference schedule, the first four or five games of the season for Middle Tennessee, is promise. Don't get embarrassed. Show growth uh, with uh, Alabama, Missouri, Colorado State, and I forgot the FCS opponent we're playing this year. Um, you're looking to finish out of conference two and two, and interconference play two and two with a shot with 
let's be honest, it's Rick Stockstill. You're going to be plus or minus six and six every year with Rick Stockstill. You're going to be seven and five. You're going to be five and seven. You're going to be right around six and six, um, which is something Middle Tennessee fans have come to expect uh, because most of them were Tennessee fans, Tennessee Titans fans. And if you're a Titans fan, you know, Jeff Fisher was always good for eight and eight. Mr. So Mr. Eight and eight. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Eight and eight. Uh, we have six and six day here in at Middle Tennessee. That's why Jeff Fisher can never get a job in the NFL now. They play 17 games. He can't go eight. <laughs> he can't go eight. It's going to be nine and eight, eight and nine, and he, he's out. And, um, so, you know, with Middle Tennessee, you're, you're trying to finish two and two. Uh, you're trying to just go 500 and then see what happens in conference. I think their in-conference schedule this year is going to be a little difficult uh, because Liberty is always going to be good. Western Kentucky is always going to be good. Uh, it's the rest of the new teams. They got three or four new teams in conference with the conference realignment that are unfamiliar to most Tennessee fans. Um, that's going to make the difference in the rest of the season. Austin, will uh, how big of a role will special teams uh, play? I know there's seven guys on the roster who's blocked the kick. I think it was like three blocked field goals, four blocked punts, and then Missouri's Harrison Mevis. He missed two field goals last week and a lot of people expect you know see him as a top three or four kicker in the country so how big of a you know how big of an impact will special teams be on Saturday special teams always make a difference uh I, again that's another cliche but you get a block punt in there you miss a field goal in there you go down the field and let's say Missouri holds middle Tennessee in the red zone and middle Tennessee goes out there to take the field goal to make it seven three uh in the first quarter and the field goal gets missed it's a 35 yarder that kills momentum or that kills confidence um, and that will affect future drives. And so a missed field goal, a block punt either way will make a huge difference in this game. Um, if, if not for the score, but the momentum swings within the game, either way, you know, if, if Missouri gets through and blocks a punt, blocks a field goal and takes it for six, uh, that's going to, that's going to kill any momentum, any confidence at any point in the game for Middle Tennessee. All right, awesome. We're going to appreciate your time. We're going to get you out of here on this. Um, we are frankly not used to having people that cover the opposing team come on and say, yeah, I don't expect this to be a win because 2023 media is immediately, I'm going to support the team I cover yeah. and they're going to win every single week. So uh, so give us kind of a, if you want to go with this specific score, how the game unfolds, whatever, just, just kind of tell us what you expect to see on Saturday. What I told the guys in our, in our chat is I'm expecting something like 38-7, 38-14 with that last touchdown being a late score. I expect middle, Missouri to handle business this, this, this weekend. Um, I think Middle Tennessee will be able to move the ball between the 20s. It's when you get inside the red zone and the 30-yard the range uh, that Middle Tennessee will struggle because they struggle to run the ball. And it's in the red zone where you need to have some threat of a consistent run game to, to get that short yardage situation. And so I think it's going to be 38-7, 38-14, 38-17, something like that. Missouri will take care of business, um, and Middle Tennessee will head into their the rest of their conference schedule 0-2, and two, but with a – winnable next two games out of conference all right well austin appreciate your time man appreciate thank you very man. much for uh, educating us a little bit and we'll let you go okay guys y'all have a great day all right you thanks too. that's austin lewis from gomiddle.com uh, 
get to some of your guys' questions to wrap up here in a couple minutes. But Gerard, so the the platform is yours for the next couple minutes. Yeah. So he just uh, told us he's that like he thinks this is a thirty-eight-seven game. So yeah. So did he change your mind? Um, a little, but not really. And the reason is is because like the not really part is pretty sure Austin isn't watching all the Missouri games. And seeing the games where Missouri is low, you know, they have their lows, they're missing field goals, they're throwing interceptions that shouldn't happen. I don't think, and that's not on him, obviously. I feel like a lot of people who do not, who are not locked into Missouri games, do not anticipate that. I mean, we don't anticipate. We wasn't, I wasn't anticipating it last week when I predicted 50 to 6, and it ended up being 35 to 10, which was still a good win for Missouri. But also uh, part of my prediction, which was 20 to 17, which is, uh, of course, I know way too close for you guys is uh, it's more of a precautionary thing just because of those things that I just mentioned. And also, I need to see what the offense does versus a defense who doesn't come in from the first drive and basically say, we're just not going to give anything over the top. Like MTSU's defense is about being aggressive and just giving it a puncher's chance. South Dakota instantly went into prevent and actually helped Missouri by doing that because Missouri likes underneath stuff. They like to run. They like to do screens, all that stuff, which is their – that's their speed. That's Brady Cook's element. So um, I'm just interested to see that, and I'm taking more of a precautionary thing. 20-17 to 17 doesn't mean what I think they'll – Missouri is going to be a bad team for the year or whatever. Just this this game right here. All right. See, see guys, Gerard is doing you a favor. He has given Missouri a wake-up call. He is uh, he is motivating the team with a close prediction. I'll be honest; I don't think this is a very close game. I I, I think it's like a three touchdown game. Um, but look, K State is next week. There's a chance Missouri's looking ahead. Um, I don't think this team's good enough to to overlook anybody. I think I think if like you under, even making that prediction, you understand if this game is 2017, like that's pretty bad news. Would you agree with that? Yes, and in, in some aspects, but another thing is again, we have to grade the team a little bit more on who they're facing on that day and not compare it to who they'll face down the line all the time. I feel like and, and that includes myself. I do that too. I'm just saying we always say, Well, they should have did this. And yeah, that makes sense, but that doesn't mean the next game they, they can't beat Kansas State by, you know, 10 or 14 points. At the same time, they could also lose to Kansas State like we're kind of assuming right now. So it's not always, what is the drinks favorite? It's progress isn't always linear. <laughs> right. And, and, and again, it's this week doesn't necessarily impact next week. I mean, we see it all the time. You could, you could have a 20 to 17 game against middle Tennessee and come out and light the world on fire against Kansas state. It just will, it will make our jobs very not fun for about seven days. If this is, if this is that close. So, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, Justin is saying, I hope we get a chance to see one of the younger running backs at some point in this game. And I would be surprised in this game because Eli Drinkwitz went out of his way on Tuesday to talk about how much middle Tennessee blitzes and talk about the biggest job for his running backs being blitz pickup in this game that tends to be the last thing a young running back picks up. Like it's not that hard to take the ball and run with it and find the hole, right? If you can do that in high school, you can do that in college a lot of times, but pass blocking and not getting your quarterback killed is something that most coaches are not going to trust young running backs with. 
Correct. And and every time there's a when a drink is talking about the running backs or when the running backs are talking about themselves, it always comes back to their past, bro. And uh, the PFF grades for them was like uh, Schrader, 37 or 38 was his grade on, on pass blocking. And then uh, Pete was maybe like 57, 58, something around there. So they're not great at that. They're undersized, by the way, when it comes to doing something like that, especially with a team that's being real aggressive in the blitzing. So you're not going to see a Jamal Roberts or anything like like I wouldn't expect that. Um because what you said, that's a young guy. That's something they – that's just a little bit different than just running the ball. And, and it'll be interesting to see if maybe the adjustment is maybe we see a little bit more of that six-man line or maybe oh, a yeah. tight end stays to help and and they put the – because we know Missouri's tight ends are not exactly huge threats in the passing game, so you might as well keep them in to help out with the blitz and, and see if the receivers can get open. Uh David Carnell says, do you think Mizzou plays more dime against the air raid offense or do they stay with the base 4-2-5? So I've got some thoughts on that, but we want to see what you think first. Probably stay with their 4-2-5. I mean, I'm just thinking Blake, again, as much aggressiveness we're talking MTS doing, Blake Baker is also a very aggressive defensive play caller when he wants to be. And he'll try to send the house and get those linebackers in there as well. Seeing the safety blitz from Marvin Burks last week. Um, and if they're doing it, a lot of short stuff, I don't, I think, I think they have the linebackers and stuff who can, you know, go out there and cover that stuff. They got the, they've got the guys. I don't think they need to change too much for it. I don't, I don't know if they'll be able to get those deep passes off because of that bad offensive line, as, as I was talking about earlier. Yeah, and I think they'll mostly stick with the four two five because the that four two five. What they like about it is it, you know, Dalen Carnell and, and Travez Johnson. That star position kind of gives you yeah, versatility. Already, yeah, yeah, right. To, to play both, and frankly, I mean, it they could go a little bit of dime with with Jalen Carlisle theoretically playing in this game. We don't have the the official injury report yet, but he's he told Drink told you yesterday he thinks he's going to play, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, frankly, you're whoever Chad Bailey's backup is in this game, whether it's Chuck Hicks or, or Damian Wilson, like that guy ought to be able to cover the Middle Tennessee State tight end. He he just should. I I don't know who it is, but he should be able to cover that guy. If he's an SEC linebacker, he should be able to cover a CUSA tight end. You're right. You know. So um let me see. Uh not seeing a lot of the younger guys on the field on offense or defense seems odd that you have a lot of guys not coming back next year, but you're not giving the younger guys reps. I, again, that was one of the disappointing things last, and and we all view it differently, right? Because Drinkwitz talked about when it got to 28-10, he's like, okay, our objective is just win the game. Well, Missouri wasn't really in any danger of losing that game at 28-10. There's no reason you couldn't have put some young guys out there in the fourth quarter, but he was was kind of making a point. And, and also, if he would have put a lot of the young guys out there offensively in the second half, then what we're going to hear is, well, why didn't Sam Horning get to play with the starters? So it, it's a tough situation to be in. Yeah, there is there is a counter to every argument out of everything just about. Um, but I, I do get it. And, you know, maybe in some early downs or something, maybe we do see a Jamal Roberts or something. Or, you know, I, I don't know why they would get it over Schrader, though, based off, you know, what he's shown the last year and 
a game and the game he had last week. But, you know, maybe there's a situation where they see something they like. Jamal Roberts is the biggest back of the scholarship guys, you know, the top four. So there could be a situation for him. But again, pass blocking and what they're going to be trying to do, I don't, it's probably not the situation for him. Yeah, finish up with just some kind of uh, around college football SEC talk. Uh, saw an early line on Mizzou, Kansas State, K State by a point. That hmm. seemed lower than I expected. I thought, I thought it would it be, be K four. State by three and a half or four. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I thought it was four. I mean, lines are so funny because it's just who did they play last week? It was like Semo or who did yeah. they play? Okay, Semo. I mean, and they're what ranked 16th or something like that. It's just so hard to predict, and everybody's played <laughs> nobody for real. So you don't know how good or bad Kansas State is. I mean, to be honest, lines are still going off of last year. Like that's that's what it is. So and that brand too. Yeah, like I guess one, but I probably thought it would have been, you know, four, but yeah. I don't know. So and and this week could change that. K-State hosts right, Troy, yeah. Missouri hosts Middle Tennessee. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, just kind of run through some of the other games. Tell me if if uh, anything jumps out to you or if you care about any of these. Ole Miss at Tulane, got any interest in that? I actually watched the whole Tulane versus USC Rose Bowl in Tulane. Like, it, was it, was a great game. it was a really good game. Um, I don't know if they got the same roster. I know they lost uh, Ty J. Spears. Running back one pro, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Spears. But uh, I don't really know too much. I'm not going to act like I keep up too much with Tulane. But I, that's a pretty good matchup. What time is that? Is that like a early window that's game? A, that's a 2.30 game. It's a pretty good game. I don't know. Maybe that's something I can I can watch part of before, before I come down to the stadium. Also 2.30, A&M Miami. Uh, that one intrigue at all? I, I don't know what Miami – how Miami is looking right now. I know they beat oh, the other Miami. They beat the other bad, Miami. But – Again, what does that matter? Texas A&M, I'm interested because I hear so much about them, but I don't know as much about them. Yeah. So, I mean, if they go out and put 45 on Miami, then maybe Miami's not great, but that's a statement because A&M wasn't doing anything like that last year. So that would be a, a heck of a statement for Bobby Petrino. I don't know what the line is, um, but that I, I like that one because it has train wreck potential because if A&M loses that game, like it is – we are uh, yeah. right back there with the 10 week soap opera of how much do they have to pay Jimbo to go away? Um, let's see. Anything else interesting? A whole bunch. No, uh, Texas, Bama. Uh, I mean, look, we're not going to see that one. It yeah, kicks off not. at the same time, but uh, I would I, watch that if, if I wasn't, yeah. I would I wasn't watch that. It. And I think, I think Nick Saban is going to put a beating on Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. Like, I think they win this game by three scores. They're pro- Yeah, they're probably going to jump off the top rope. Because <laughs> you know how Kirby and, and, and Nick feel about anything close or any rare L that they take to anybody. They're they're coming back, you know, with it in blood. So that'll be interesting. I'm, I want to see what Texas is like as far as just, you know, they get hyped every, for most years, and especially this one. And the fact that Quinn Ewers is starting, and I got to see. I just – I don't think he's great or all-world, but, I mean, if he's starting, I mean, either Arch Manning is terrible or he's just a freshman, or maybe Quinn Ewers is really that good. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think Quinn Ewers is, is has a chance to be that good, but I think Alabama wins this game. One other one that that I don't know. I think this could be low key a really good game. Oregon at Texas Tech. Texas Tech lost at Wyoming last week. Oregon hung eighty one on on uh, Portland State, but like Texas Tech supposed to be pretty good. Lubbock is not an easy place to play. Portland I could State. see Texas. Yeah, I could see Texas Tech winning that game. Portland State. They Portland they might State have to like give up the football, football program after that. <laughs> I feel like I've only heard about Portland State in basketball, um, I or or some others. I've never heard about them in football. I mean, I don't it, know. it is. It is possible it was the basketball team playing football because they lost eighty-one to seven. Oregon had to give them an enormous bag to take <laughs> to take a beating like that. Um, but you say Texas Tech, yeah, I, I do vaguely remember seeing tweets like Josh Allen tweeting Patrick Mahomes about uh, Texas Tech. I mean, yeah, Wyoming beating Texas Tech, but um, I don't know. Is that one of those pack pack twelve after dark games or no? It's at six o'clock. It's in Lubbock. Oh, okay. Okay. Possibly, but I don't know. Losing to Wyoming. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that, don't, that, don't sound, that don't sound like a good combination. Hey. Wyoming and the team that put up 81. Yeah. Hey, I, I watched a team lose at Wyoming and the rest of the year went about like your facial expression just was. <laughs> so, uh, so it'd be interesting, but um, appreciate you guys hanging out with us on a Thursday afternoon. Um, we're going to kind of try to do it this way. Most weeks, um, Monday nights we'll do kind of the the look back live show in uh, the the state of the Tigers, and then Thursday afternoon we'll we'll take a look ahead, preview uh, that week's matchup, talk about a few other games in, in college football and things like that. So uh, times could move around a little bit, um, especially maybe in weeks where the Chiefs play on Monday nights, not Thursday nights. So we might have to shift some things around, but um, hopefully we have filled a little bit of your time. Uh, leading up to the start of the NFL season. Hope you all enjoy the weekend in college football. And uh, we will be back here, I don't know, 1030 on Saturday night from the Furrow Field Press Box. Yeah, that's probably about right. Oh, by the way, Gabe, I think if they win this, if Missouri win, well, they'll win. But if they win this, then that they'll be 2-0, I think, for the first time in the drink with air, which is – you wouldn't think about it like that, but that makes sense. And I know they weren't two and zero in two thousand nineteen. And they I weren't. They weren't two, I know they weren't two and zero in two thousand seventeen because they they were one and. Oh yeah, it's the I first know. time since uh, it was either twenty sixteen or twenty eighteen. I can't remember. Probably twenty eighteen, but yeah, either yeah. way, it's been a minute, and that's yeah. a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, we'll have coverage of that for you guys this weekend. Uh, Chamber tomorrow morning. All kinds of stuff. Predictions officially on the site. Gerard has, you know, 36 hours to see if he's sticking with his guns. And uh, you can wait 36 hours to find out what my score is. It's just Missouri by more than three. So enjoy it. We'll talk to you guys next time.